wouldn't it be great if the way we made disciples in Tulsa Mm -hmm. would be the way that we make disciples in South Asia? Welcome to On the Road to No Place Left. This is Feeney, and I'm driving as we learn to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard. This is season five, where we're asking the question, what legacy will my church leave? Check out this season's trailer for a full explanation. I'm again thankful to Steve Addison of the Movements Podcast for making this audio available. This story is a few years old, but it's still a powerful picture of how God can use simple obedience to mobilize believers to reach the lost in their neighborhoods and in the nations. called Cedar Ridge Christian Church. Spent uh, my high school years there uh, in the Tulsa area. And uh, our senior minister now, he was my youth minister. And the church has just always been a church of just a loving church and a church that's had a heart for for other people and and for missions as well. So I was just really blessed to be brought up by that church. And it's kind of my story and the church's story intertwined in that. I came um, on staff in um, 2008 uh, we had spent some time in Mexico um, on the mission field. My wife and I had came home and we uh, began to, to work with, with the home church, opening a new campus of the church. And I'm um, just really blessed to be a part of that. Um, uh, you know, probably about a year in um, and maybe even sooner, just we had some success in uh, starting the new campus of the church, but just really began to see that there are lots of people out there that we weren't impacting lots of um, lost people or hurting people in our community. And so um, I, just in me, there was just a real desire to, to impact those people. I would see them at a convenience store, seeing them in the community. And at the same time, um, I think really by the sovereign hand of the Lord, our, our church really began asking questions about how can we, how can we do a better job at reaching people locally? And then also, um, just asking about God's heart for the nations. And so um, our senior senior minister, uh, Greg Pittman, he began to lead us through um, one of the, uh, the sermon series was uh, David Platt's book, Radical. Um, if you've been around that book, you know that, uh, man, he just talks a lot about God's heart for the nations and God's heart for the hurting. And um, it just began to stir up a lot of things in our hearts as a, as a church and as a leadership. We, uh, we ended up, as a result of that sermon series and some other things, we ended up in uh, visiting some of our workers um, in um, North Africa, uh, a couple that had grown, or one of the guys had grown up at, the, at, at our church, and we were sitting around in a living room, and uh, they said, hey, here, we want to show you how we're going to be doing church together. Mm-hmm. And we sat down to a discovery Bible study in their living room. And we all kind of looked at each other, those who are with, with us uh, from Tulsa, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, why are we not doing this at home? And we, after that, we got, they, they said, Hey, you need to get, you need to start listening to a podcast called movements.net. <laughs> so, so that was kind of our, you know, how we ended up in this world. And when we get hearing these stories of, uh, uh, you know, how God was moving all over the world, but specifically the stories that caught me were, the stories uh, from Jeff Sundell in North Carolina, in Booger Holler, North Carolina. And uh, the, the community that we were a part of was, it sounded very similar. Um, people hurting and people in poverty and just people that weren't going to show up at our, 
our doorstep of our church and that weren't showing up. And we began down that road and, uh, and then um, the Lord's just kind of been writing the script, the script since then. So you had to go all the way to North Africa just to get back to the simple but powerful things. And um, well, what, what happened next? What was the next stage in your journey? Through that, uh, really, I, I feel like that book and that sermon series as we went through that was a pivotal point for us. And one of the things that we talked about through that series was just the, the unreached peoples of the world and the red dots all over the map. And um, so that was the reason we made the trip because the, this couple, they were working among, among an unreached people group in North Africa. And so we just began to look, we had a, we have a, a committee, a, a mission team, and we just began to ask the question, what is mission? Hmm. And are we putting monies and then are we doing the thing that got the things that God wants us to do in the appropriate ways? And one of the things we just began to look at, we said, you know, we, we, um, we see from the history of our church, our church had mobilized some people to the nations even, um, and to other places on the globe. And then from the word that God really wants to mobilize more people from our church to the nations. And so we began to work very diligently over, over, over a period of months and um, a couple of years to just work towards a plan to, to um, how, how could our whole church be involved in this task? And so we just began to say, we need to put a kind of a, a, a flag in the ground and we need to say, we need to be moving towards something. Mm-hmm. And we began to sense that God really wanted us to to lay down a number and say, "What's the number we're moving towards?" And so um, we wanted to, we wanted uh, to do something that only God can do, uh, and and put our hand to the plow. Only something that God could do. And we really felt like God was telling us to to mobilize over the next ten years. That would have been two years ago, fifty workers uh, to South Asia. And then also associated with that to reach 1,000 new disciples in our community. These were kind of conceptual ideas that we had. And one of the things that we talked about was at that time, we said, wouldn't it be great if the way we made disciples in Tulsa mm-hmm. would be the way that we make disciples in South Asia? And that mm-hmm. our church could be a training ground to making disciples on the other side of the world. And our community could be that as well. And so then came along, um, we reached out to some brother, other brothers, specifically on making uh, disciples here locally, met Troy Cooper. And so he, uh, he came uh, fall 2015, along with Dave Miller from Oklahoma City and Clint Harrell from North Carolina, and they did their, their first touch of training with us. And, and so uh, we've had other rounds, we had other rounds of training, a second touch and a third touch and and so what happened from that is that we had these people that were waiting. I mean, I, I'm one of them. They were waiting in, a, in the pew. They were called to, to this work to go. Mm. We're all called to that. But really some people, they've just been hungry to go do this uh, in the community. And uh, we saw these people spike up, you know, these evangelistic types, or some people might call them apostolic types, um, just to go do the work, and uh, they're kind of restless sitting in the church. The train. Well, first of all, a vision for the fifty workers and to reach was it a thousand people, right in your community. So visions out there, and then what the training helped surface the people who were ready to go and and give that a go. That's right, and 
we were surprised uh, at the, at some of the response. I mean, there's some response that people go through the training and they're like, there's no way I can do this and I'm not going to do this, Hmm. but there's some other people they've just been waiting to do it. And in fact, I had people pegged because I, at that time I was serving as a campus pastor and I had people pegged that I thought would go do this. And they didn't, they didn't spike up the same way some of these other people did. So. Can you think of a, a a story or an example of someone who really stepped up as a result of the training? And um, one family, they've been the family who've who they they bought in early and they're still bought in. And he's more of a he's more pastoral. She's more apostolic, more evangelistic, but uh, just faithfully have shared the gospel. And you know, going out into the harvest and teams, they they have done that and they do that faithfully. But they also probably more importantly they have shared among their oikos. They've seen, they've seen about 15 people together that they have ministered to, that they've led to the Lord, that they've baptized over the last um, couple of years. And in fact, just this past weekend, um, they were able to leave a, lead a family member to the Lord, baptize her and start doing church with her. Just, just real faithfulness there. And just to mm-hmm. see that they were just waiting and they, and they were a couple that came along. They, they come through the front doors of the church they hadn't been involved in church and they say, we are so glad that we came along when no place left came. Well, what we began the training and, and, and did the three touches of training. So our, our first touch was rather small. I say rather small it was about 30 people. And then our second touch, we just, we just put a lot of resources in trying to get people there. And we had about 200 people from our church, which at the time we were a church of about 800. And, uh, and then we had about 50 people from the Tulsa the city around, around other churches that came. And then the third touch, we had actually had five different um, trainings across the city. And the majority of those were run by local folks doing that training. And so uh, raising their competencies. And then we've also had the privilege of sending them other places across the United States to help train with other no place left teams. And then here in the, in the, in the region as well of mm-hmm. engaging other churches and ministries and, and training them as well. And then now, now you're saying, well, not only have we got a training team for our church, but they and others from Tulsa are training around the city, around the region, and in other parts of the U.S. That's right. And what's, what's been the impact in the life of your church? Yeah, so you see the apostolic folks, the evangelistic types pop up. And so one of the things that we've done with them is that we, we form them into teams. And so we're gathering because they'll just run and they'll burn out. Right. So we want to put them around, um, gather them around the, the three thirds, have them do church together. So they're meeting together on a regular basis. And so we have um, two to three, we have three of these teams that are gathered together out of the local church, but then we are, we're, we're just trying to push some of these tools to the rest of the church. And so majority of our people, they have seen, three circles. Many of them have been trained to do three circles. We're regularly praying for our oikoses in our services. One of the things that we're seeing, we're just seeing, I mean, I'm meeting people all the time uh, through through our church that in hearing stories of them sharing. Uh, just ordinary folk, they're, sh- they're sharing with friends and family or neighbors or, or even looking to share with someone. That's right. The line. And would they know what to do next in terms of discipleship if someone came to the Lord? Um, some of them would, and some of them would not, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and we're trying not to make that a, a incredibly 
either or type thing. Mm-hmm. So we want to, because we realize that we've had people that have, you know, been sitting in the pews for decades mm-hmm. and what they know is discipleship is, you know, coming and hearing someone else talk and sitting next to them, encouraging them. And so, um, but we do want to offer the opportunity and we continually are offering the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then as, as well through training that we are, we're, we're still offering regular trainings within the church. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and we're probably putting a way heavier emphasis these days on what to do next, rather than uh, probably in the beginning, we were putting a lot of emphasis upon the going really saying, and uh, you know, what is the takeaway from this training? Are there two or three people that you could go and you could do this three thirds with? And so just trying to encourage people to take that. So, but it's a, it's a, it's a journey for people. So I know last night I was visiting with a lady and we have a group at our house and they meet and we do church together, a traditional small group that we're just doing um, three thirds together. And so she, we were practicing three circles together and she says, okay, what if he says this? And what if they say this? And then I said, well, you can offer to do, to, 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 to meet together and to study the Bible together. And she's like, oh yeah, I can. And mm-hmm. so just some of those baby steps with, with some people. That's right. So you sort of got a, you're letting people, uh, you're not imposing this. Um, and people are coming on at different speeds right. and you've got a mixed economy as a church. So You've got three teams that we're doing church together in a simple three-thirds pattern and we're out in the harvest and we're training. And then you've got others that are saying, well, look, you know, I I could share the gospel now. Uh, Or I'm praying for five people every day. So in terms of the change, it's, it's making sure you've got room for those that are ready to run ahead and you're also allowing others just to come on at their own pace. That's exactly right. A couple other things that we're doing is we're, we, are, um, we have a lady who's going through and she's looking through when we have harvest teams go out and they are, uh, you know, they're collecting prayer requests and they're trying to record those. And we're trying to make a point, write down that prayer need, pray for them, but then write down that prayer need. Uh, we're also recording follow-up information on that, but we have someone who'll go in and she's, she's, you know, looking through that list and she's saying, Hey, I can pass this on to other people in the church. So she's sending that to we have a prayer list that goes out mm-hmm. to the whole church and she'll send out those requests. So they may not who, know who this person is, but people can, can pray for them or maybe in a Sunday school class or another small group, they can get in, engaged in that way. And so again, just a simple way that someone can exercise their gifts and, the funny thing is that this this lady, uh, one of our harvest times is on Sunday afternoon when we go out. She's not been super enthusiastic about going out into the harvest. She has gone, mm-hmm. but this Sunday, this Sunday she went out, and so you know, just letting the Lord just kind of open her heart little by little. But she's a faithful prayer and and organizer of the information. Can you think of um, you know a story that would give us some sense of the impact in the community amongst? people that were far from God. A young couple who we met this summer. I I didn't meet them, but our senior pastor, and that's one of the things too, our senior pastor Mm. has been out in the harvest. Mm. He's been out in the harvest regularly, and he talks about it from the pulpit. But we're we're out in an apartment complex in the middle of Tulsa, lots of uh, ethne in this this apartment complex. They meet this couple, and um, they offer to pray for them. They pray for them. Actually, uh, they invited them into the house and they prayed for them. I don't remember the prayer need, but they simply 
offered to come back and share a story from the Bible. That's all they did. No three circles, mm-hmm. no, um, no, any, nothing else. They just offered to come back. So they went back and they shared um, the story of the sinful woman and they shared the three circles. They just kept going back every time. And so by the end of the summer, they made a decision to follow Jesus. They were baptized. And so they've been learning um, how to follow Jesus, meeting, being met with every week in their house, doing church together. And then the cool thing is there, they now are going into the harvest. And so just the last couple of weeks, Daniel and Laura are both individually with, with other people. They're discipling other people, doing church with them. And so it's just really cool. Another story would be a, a guy by the name of Tony. And he's a guy that we met him and his wife um, the first time Troy came. And we, all we knew at that point was just to pray for him and, and his wife. So we began to pray for his wife. We got trained. And then we kept going back. We probably went back about 10 times and we ended up sharing um, three circles with them. And so that night we shared three circles with him. He said, yeah, I want to follow. Well, he had been in jail. He had been on drugs. He had all these, uh, his wife had kicked him out of the house at the end of himself, ended up in rehab. A few months later, after he got a rehab, they wanted us to come to the house. So we came to the house and began to do uh, discipleship church in their house um, he was baptized a few months later. Again, the process repeated. So putting their lives, putting their lives back together, um, watching the Lord work in their lives. And then, in fact, watching him uh, this last year, I think maybe he led to the Lord about three, three different people, baptized them. And so pretty, pretty cool stuff, taking somebody from, you know, in brokenness and the Lord just raising them up to, to, to pass it on to other people. Lots and you're just passing on the simple training that Troy and the team first did with you. That's right. The, the basics of how to share the gospel, how to find a God-prepared person, how to lead someone to Christ and then follow up with discipleship by reading the Bible. That's right. In fact, the, the, the two examples I gave, they actually mm-hmm. uh, they attend on a regular basis uh, the service with Cedar Ridge we never invited them though. They yeah. just kind of shown up. And so, you know, we're not inviting nor are we prohibiting that. We're just, yeah. uh, we're, we're just kind of letting them do what they want to do. And what we're finding is that for some of those people, we have some people that are being, they're having church in their house mm. and they're not showing up. But for some people, I don't know if it's something cultural, it's awakening in them that they feel like they need to come and that's mm. fine. So yeah. this one couple that I mentioned um, from the summer they have been attending, and the cool thing that um, has happened with them, because they've attended, they've heard about our South Asia vision, mm-hmm. and so it's they begin to say, maybe maybe that's for us, you know? And mm-hmm. so that was kind of a thing that we talked about at the very beginning is, wouldn't it be cool if God took lost people, right, raised them up, and then he sent them to the other side of the world? To fit this story into 20 minutes, I had to cut out a great section about the residency program and how that has served Brian's church in mobilizing missionaries. You can find a link to the full episode of the Movements podcast at ontheroad.link. That's ontheroad.link. Use that same URL to leave a comment or ask a question, or check in with a call or text at 321-209-3899. This is Feeney. Thanks for listening. The On The Road podcast is to encourage you and your church to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard.